All right. Um, like I said, it's a tremendous privilege. Uh, I, I, you know, Chris Crossan was here two weeks ago, and St. Patrick was here last week, and it's hard to follow uh, these missionaries uh, uh, <laughs> of legend. But uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I kind of grew up in the mission field. My dad was a missionary, uh, I, so that's my only credential. Um, <laughs> this morning we'll be reading from um, uh, Luke uh, chapter four. Um, Julie read the beginning part of the passage, and we'll read that again, but I'm going to jump into the following part in verse 20. Um, if you don't have it out, you can kind of listen to my voice. Um, so he rolled up the scrolls, and he said, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote me, from this proverb, physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did in Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up in three years and six months and a great famine came all over the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them but only Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow, and there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them were, was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so they could throw him down the cliff, but passing through their midst, he went away. Um, this passage is amazing. Um, First of all, uh, uh, I don't know if this is bi biblical. There's a, there's a weird echo chamber in here. Um, I don't know if this is biblical, but uh, Jesus is gangsta, all right? Um, not in a violent, criminal kind of way, but in a way that's like, what? What did he just do here? I, I feel like this is a, a mic drop moment um, when he reads uh, the, the, the scrolls of Isaiah. Power. Thank you, Tuan. Need a drink. All right. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering the sight to the blind, to set all liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and he says, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And then he drops the microphone. Obviously, they didn't have a microphone. Um, but what does that mean? What am I talking about? What, what does it mean for him to say, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing? Uh, he quotes Isaiah 58 and 61, and he's choosing verses here and there. I mean, Jesus knows the scripture, and he is bringing to the forefront what is God's heart, and he's reading it. And he says, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Uh, that's, that's pretty gangster. I, I just have to say that, okay? So according to Luke, Jesus' first public announcement claims that he is the fulfillment of the Old Testament predictions. The Messiah has come, and with him, the new era of the Lord's favor, the kingdom of God. And that's what he was announcing. The kingdom of God is now. It's here. And this is such a radical uh, proclamation. Uh, the Jews, uh, historically, and even to this day, I guess, they're waiting for a Messiah. They're waiting for this anointed one to come to, to 
set the captives free, to release them, to bring liberation, if you will. And there's this tremendous kind of waiting. This waiting is going on. And Jesus shows up, and they think he's like another John the Baptist kind of guy, kind of claiming, oh, someone is coming. The Messiah is coming. No. He is the fulfillment of the scripture, and he makes it real clear, right? Um, it goes on, I'm going to jump to verse 25, 28. Uh, it says, but in truth I tell you, and he goes about Elijah and uh, uh, Elisha, and, and, and why is he talking about these things? Um, this, is, this is amazing. Like, I, I didn't really understand initially. Uh, I just thought the mic drop happened, and then everybody was like, yeah, he's here. But no, that's not, that was not the response. Um, here is the particular message which made the people of Nazareth, his hometown people, angry. Jesus is saying to them that often in the history of Israel, it has been shown that God's goodness could not be appropriated by those who, ta- who thought they had a special claim on God, but that it went out to, to all those who were eager and receptive. And those who were thus eager might be not those of orthodox privilege, but the stranger and the alien. Always there is a tendency to resent that. A church wants to keep its religious privileges to itself. It does not want to be annoyed with unduly difficult claims for Christian missions. I hope these last three weeks has not been a burden or a bother, but it is challenging to to have to live out our calling, to be uh, who we're made to be. My missions professor, my class, he brought a can opener and he passed it around. Do you guys know what this is? We're like, "This this is a can opener, right? And he goes, what do you do with it? You open cans with it, professor, you know? And he goes, what is the church for? What is the church for? Do we put the church in the drawer like we do with our can openers? And he's kept away. I got to keep it clean. You know, it's made of, it's gold plated. I don't know. It's nice. I got to put it away. Is that really what the church is supposed to be? To kind of be put away and kept clean? Or are we supposed to be about this? Goes on. The congregation's business, it thinks it's to nurture its own life. And moreover, it is God's business that this previous life of its own should be thus nurtured. Men who decide the policies of nations in their legislative assemblies often have the same idea. Whatever happens, the nation's special interests must stand first. Anyone who suggests that other people of the earth might be equally important in God's sight is to be pushed aside as an intolerable nuisance. Dang. This is from, uh, this is not my words. Uh, it's the commentary I was reading, and I was like, whoo. I, you know, this is happening, right? Uh, this is happening uh, 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 in uh, uh, the Black Panther movie. Uh, I, I don't want to give away too much, because uh, some of you guys have not seen it, and I, I welcome you to watch it. I watched it twice in the theater. I, I think it was worth it. Um, I don't want to give away too much. Uh, who, 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 who's seen it? I just, I just want to know, real quick. Blessings to you guys. If you haven't seen it, blessings to come when you watch it. Um, uh, so... In the Black Panther, there's, there's a new king, T'Challa. He is uh, in this kind of a fork in the road. He's trying to decide where does Wakanda stand? Where does this nation of Wakanda with its resources, are we going to stand in the gap for the stranger and the aliens, the outsiders? Are we going to be about that? Or are we going to stick to tra- tradition, keep it safe, put the can opener back in the drawer, if you will? Uh, it's a challenging kind of you know, positioned to be in as a new monarch, a new ruler. Um, I, I think it, it is interesting what is happening in the nation that we live in. Uh, recently, there's a desire for America first. 
uh, the kicking out of those who are strangers and aliens, that those that came with a dream, those dreamers are getting no love or respect. And that troubles me. Jesus himself is getting no love and no respect in his hometown, right? How can the Son of God know what it feels to be marginalized? That's a question I want to pose. How does the Son of God, Jesus Christ, how, how does he know what it feels like to be marginalized, to be disenfranchised? Well, let me give you a little background of Jesus Christ. He was uh, born out of wedlock, right? Um, he was, uh, it was this precarious situation, born to a teenage mom, um, born in a manger, a trough to feed animals, um, didn't have health care, from my understanding. Uh, when he was eight days old, his parents didn't have enough money for a proper lamb or sheep offering. Uh, they, got, they got the poor person's package, uh, two pigeons. I don't know if you guys know that. In, in, in Leviticus, this is strange, Leviticus 12, uh, uh, 7 to 8, uh, there's a regulation for women who give birth to a boy or girl. Uh, it says in verse 8, but if she cannot afford a lamb, she used to bring two doves or two young pigeons, one for burnt offering, the other for sin offering. This way, the priest will make atonement for her and she will be clean. There's a ceremonial law that exists, and you have to do that as part of when you have a baby on the eighth day, you bring him to the temple and you do these things. And Luke 2.22, uh, uh, a few chapters before what we just read, it's um, they go to the temple and when Jesus was eight days old. And when the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem and presented him to the Lord as written in the law of the Lord. Every male who, opens, uh, the womb shall, uh, who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Quotations, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So Mary and Joseph, I mean, they were not bawling, right? They didn't have a lot of money, right? They, they had to stay in this uh, uh, manger, this little, like, stable of, of, a, of a, I don't know if you guys ever driven up the five freeway on the way to Northern California. There's a patch where there's a lot of, of cows. And if you're not careful, if you had your window open at a certain moment, the stench is foul. Right, it causes a reaction, and and you know when when you during Christmas time when you think of the nativity scenes at Costco and different churches, and you know serene, uh, there's like these like very well-mannered sheep and animals. No, it's disgusting. Right, uh, my grandfather was a farmer, and next door he had some pig farmers. Those pigs were disgusting. <laughs> they were delicious, but it smelled real bad. <laughs> right, and. There's something about, can you imagine Jesus being born, and the Son of God being born into a manger, and the first thing he smells is not frankincense. It's, it's yeah, it's animal waste. It's foul, it's disgusting. And this is the, 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 the life that Jesus, the Son of God, is born into, right? Humble beginnings, broken, difficult. His life is in danger, right? There's so many things going on here. And even this little short passage in Luke, if we're not careful, we, we skip over that. The fact that Mary and Joseph were only able to get the two birds, they, weren't, they got the, the poor man package. They couldn't afford the full sheep, the full lamb offering that was going on. And so you know, his family was so poor. Uh, he is Jesus of Nazareth, right? That's his, that's, that's his, that's his um, hometown, Jesus of Nazareth, not Jesus of Beverly Hills, 90210. Right? That's, that's not who he is. Right? Actually, I looked up online for the poorest zip codes in Orange County. The bottom 10 of Orange County uh, is such. Uh, it's a couple years old, but this is the only thing I could find image-wise. And it's fascinating. Um, 
Uh, out of the top 10 poorest, uh, Santa Ana pops up uh, four times. Top two, number four and five. And uh, I, looked up, I, I looked up the zip code of Olive Crest Building. It's 92705, so it's not here, all right? But honestly, those zip codes are just a couple blocks that way, right? A couple of blocks that way. And Orange County is a rich county in general, but this, these are our brothers and sisters that live not too far from us, and this is the reality that they live in. Um, we'll go back to the passage, right? They were so mad. They were so mad at Jesus when he started talking about um, uh, the, the, the prophets and, and the lepers. What was that about? Um, it, it was to show them that uh, the, the love of God, the compassion of God, is not just for the Jews. It's for the outsiders. Right? The people that he focused on in, in these little stories of the Old Testament that he kind of put together uh, was a, uh, highlighting uh, the people who were outsiders, the people who were not legitimate, it seemed. And he was about that. Um, they were so angry, they want to throw him off uh, the hill. They wanted to kill him, right? I don't know if you ever felt like your life was in danger because you were about what God was about. But Jesus, I mean, he, he actually gets killed, uh, uh, crucified. Uh, he dies and he resurrects. And yet, Earlier on in Luke, his life was, was, it, it was in danger. And uh, like I said, Jesus is a gangster, right? And so they were about to throw him off down the cliff, but passing through their midst, he went away. What the what is going on, right? I don't know if that's teleportation or, or what he's doing. Um, Jesus is talking about loving our brothers and sisters who are poor. By proclaiming the good news to them, he, has, he was sent to earth to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering the sight of the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the kingdom of God is here. The year of the Lord's favor. This is now. We are living in it. It's not later. This is now. The kingdom of God is here. Um, I think about who are the marginalized? Uh, who are the marginalized in my life? And who does my heart kind of break for? As, as Jesus is reading earlier on, uh, the passage from Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. And when I say poor, when you read poor, wh who are the people that, that come to your mind? Right? Uh, financially poor, the spiritually poor. Um, who, are, who, who comes to mind? Uh, is it a family member? Is it, is it a person that you've seen in your neighborhood? Um, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering the sight to the blind. I mean, who, who are in prison? I mean, this is, this is literal captives that were going on. There's human traffic victims that are living in captivity. Um, my dad was a missionary to Singapore, and that's where I grew up. And Singapore is such a nice place, right? But you would think, uh, what, what, what social ills are there in Singapore? Well, there are many. Uh, my dad was uh, big on going to the, uh, the prisons, the drug rehab prisons, and Singapore is, uh, don't bring drugs to Singapore, guys. They will kill you, right? It's a capital punishment. They will hang you. They've hung many, many people for that crime, right? It's, it's ridiculous. And yet, somehow, drugs still get in, and people are risking their lives, and people are taking drugs, and there are people um, that are in prison. And my dad, uh, it's an interesting story. He, he shows up. My dad's English is, is not very good. And so he, he is, is, you know, he's, he's a little sensitive about that. But you know, he wants to be, you know, share the good news, and he, he goes to the prisons, and 
and, and, and he asked the warden if he could have a room to have discipleship with some of these inmates that need to hear the good news, help change their lives around. And the warden's like, sure, you know? And he goes, uh, do you have a room? He goes, no, but we have this closet, this, this like, like where we keep all our stuff. And he, Singapore's an island. It's on the equator. It's humid. It's dank. It's musky. It's gross. It's, it's, and so it's like one of those rooms that they gave to him. And so my dad went back to the church that he was a part of, and he said, hey, guys, we need to be about what God is about, and we need to love these, these, these young men who are in prison. They're going to throw away their lives if they don't meet God. So they raised money, and they t- he took over that storage room. He put carpet down. He turned up AC. Uh, he said that uh, there were other missionaries from Sweden. They had two people come to their Bible study. They've been there for years. And then my dad uh, asked the warden if he could renovate, and they renovated it, painted it, AC is pumping, it's frigid in there. And he said, the first time they met, 80 people showed up, right? <laughs> I don't know if they came for the gospel or for air conditioning, but they showed up. And, and so many of them started hearing the, go- the gospel. So many of them came to Christ. And uh, I remember as a young kid, um, there would be these men sleeping in front of our house, tatted up from head to toe. My mom was like, why are they here? Who are these people? What's going on? My dad, oh, I know that guy. He was from uh, the rehab. He got out. He couldn't go back to his parents because shame. Uh, if he went back to his friends, he would get high. And so here he is just kind of sleeping in front of our, our, of our little apartment. And he, he would bring them in. Uh, he would feed them. My mom was all nervous because like, uh, I, I didn't know what was going on. I was like, oh, what are these drawings on your arms and your legs? Uh, and uh, I don't know. I, I guess I was scared straight. I never did drugs <laughs> just because their lives are so horrible. But... Um, uh, 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 they were like my older brothers. They were part of my life. Uh, some of them would stay with us, and it was a, a very interesting uh, thing. But I was so grateful for my dad, who was a missionary in Singapore, that was trying to live out true to what the gospel was saying. And, and even in that way, uh, I went back to uh, uh, Singapore not too long ago. My, my brother was getting married, uh, and he did a second reception there. And it was basically an excuse for my dad to have a reunion with all the, this ministry people. It's not about my brother's wedding, but um, there were so many people that came. I would say like a, a good 30, 40% of them were people that used to be in prison. They're married now. They have kids, uh, and some of them were not as educated, so they, they speak a little bit of broken English, Singlish, and a lot of different dialects are coming out, and so we had translators and whatnot speaking and sharing. They were thanking my dad for coming and sharing the gospel, and there was a running joke. There was a running joke to say that when, when Pastor Park, not me, my dad, when he was speaking, um, they couldn't understand what he was saying. Right? But he'd be sweating, and he'd be talking with passion. They're like, what is he talking about? And, and, and uh, many of them came to Christ, uh, and they themselves are preachers. They themselves are street evangelists. They themselves are working with people in prisons who are also addicted to drugs, and they have a story to tell. And it's powerful. I was crying and laughing as they were making fun of my dad, but also just giving glory to God because God gets all the glory. This, my dad, who doesn't speak any English really well, was there trying his best. But what they got out of it, this guy... This guy's so passionate about the gospel. What is this gospel? What is this good news? And, and, and their life was changed because they, they thought my dad was acting foolish, but he was a fool for Christ. And, and it was so humbling to hear the, those stories being shared over and, and over again. Um, my, my kind of upbringing and my kind of life, uh, um, I, I, have a, uh, um, I had this opportunity to go be a church plant uh, in, uh, uh, in, in Bangkok, Thailand. Uh, and uh, uh, Jimmy and Jessica were, were part of it too, and, uh, and Jordan, uh, he's upstairs. 
he was two years old at the time, and, and uh, we were there, my wife was there, and it was an amazing experience. Uh, um, and uh, there's a person I met, her name is Sophia. She's a Thai woman, and um, she would come to our church, and uh, I got to hear some of her story. And as I got to know her, she invited me on these trips. She would go to the hospital, and she would visit people in the hospital, and some of them were, were not doing very well. And every once in a while, she'll find out somebody was in the hospital. They, they lost their wallet. They have no ID. Um, and they were either drugged or taken advantage of, and they woke up kind of unconscious. And they didn't know who they were. Sometimes they lost, like, memories. And, like, I, I don't know how she would hear about these things, but somehow they knew Sophia was the person to call. She's not a clergy member. She's just this lady that's all about loving on the outsiders and the strangers and the aliens. And so I would go and, you know, I don't, my tie is good for ordering food, you know. I, I would go and try to, you know, and Sophia would be my translator and we try to help. And um, I just got to see her heart in, 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 in that. And as I got to hear her story, Sophia, uh, a very painful, painful story. Her mother was a, a gambling addict and she got into a lot of debt. So much so that she sold Sophia as a child to this family selling a human child, uh, their child, to because they, they, uh, they were, she was addicted to gambling. And Sophia said that she would look out the window every day, waiting, waiting for her mom to come and pick her up again, or her brother would come and save her. She was sold to this uh, Muslim family, and she became, a, uh, and when she got older, she became a surrogate for their family. It was very interesting I don't know how often that happens, but she, she, she gave birth to two children. Um, she's in contact with them still. She's no longer living with that family. She's you know, obviously a grown woman. She has her own life. She's married now. Um, but just hearing her heart for that. And so a couple years ago, um, uh, my wife, and, uh, who was pregnant at the time, uh, six months pregnant with our first daughter, we took two, uh, four college students, two girls and two guys, and we went to Thailand to do this mission trip, to serve and to learn about who, uh, what God was doing, uh, to be open to what he had for us. And uh, by sheer chance, and I don't think it was chance, by God's grace, we bumped into Sophia at uh, the church that we were part of, and she shared that she had been going to uh, the, the, the red light district and walking into the bars and talking with these women, and if they want to get out of their lifestyle, she would help them find halfway homes and different things like that. And she was in the trenches walking around. Again, she was not clergy, but she would walk around, and everyone knew her name. Uh, and, and, and some had come out with her, and they made some jewelry and whatnot, but they kind of went back to that life, and, 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 and these were the relationships that she had walking the, the red light districts in, in, in Bangkok. And she invited uh, our team. Uh, the guys couldn't go, but she invited my wife, who was six months pregnant at the time, and two college student girls to go to the red light district, and, and, and they went. And um, it's... It was very uncomfortable, uh, even for me. I was like, my wife's pregnant, you know, and these, sh these like, shady guys, and what's going to happen? And uh, uh, we prayed, and in the faith they went. I was talking to one of my college students that went recently about that experience. She said she was so uncomfortable, right? Uh, some of these bars, these go-go bars, women parade themselves. Uh, some of them are uh, topless. Some of them are wearing very scantily clad clothes, and men... Uh, grown men, young men, they come, uh, Americans, Europeans, uh, Japanese businessmen, whatever, they show up and, and, and they buy a drink and they sit down and they talk to these women and they figure something out. And this is kind of the place that my pregnant wife 
and my two college girls went with Sophia, and they were just talking to these women. And at first, they were so uncomfortable. They're like, they, <laughs> they were trying to keep conversation. They were trying to look at the eyes and trying to have a conversation. Uh, I, I heard that some of the male customers were uncomfortable that a pregnant woman was there. Right? It was kind of a buzzkill, I guess. And so they were just complaining to the madam, and the madam's like, they're paying customers. They bought sodas. They're sitting here. They bought sodas for the, uh, the ladies, and they were talking to them. And one of my students, uh, her name is Rebecca, she went out of her way to say, hey, do you guys want to come church with us? Right? And, and, and for some weird reason, they said, yeah. And they built this rapport and friendship, and that, that they were there on a Tuesday night, and then Sunday, they, uh, they came to uh, the, the church service, and uh, they, they, they heard the, the gospel message be preached, and uh, we went out to eat lunch. We went to Emporium, uh, a food court, a uh, mall, a nice mall, and we went to eat food there, and we're eating, and um, uh, I asked some questions about, um, uh, uh, um, like, who, who they were. One of the ladies, her name was Lot, uh, and she started sharing her story. Uh, and she started op- uh, just proceeded to be very, very vulnerable. And she opened up her, 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 her little, like, purse uh, wallet with, like, all these, like, you know, picture stuff flowing out of there. And she had uh, an eight-year-old son at the time. And he was, uh, um, you know, he was Hapa. He was half Italian, half Thai. And he was so cute. I think his name was Buddy. And, uh, and, 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 and then so I asked, oh, uh, who's the... Is that around? Like, I don't know. I don't know how to ask that question. And, and she, I could just tell, like, her face just sank. And uh, she proceeded to tell me that back in 2004, I mean, when we were there five years ago, but in, back in 2004, she was pregnant with, with the baby and uh, with her son. And her lover at the time was a foreigner uh, uh, who, uh, Italian guy, uh, he was in, in Phuket, and she was in Bangkok at the time. And I don't know if you remember what happened in 2004. And there was a, a, a tsunami that came, and the tsunami, as you recalled, killed many, many people, uh, and uh, uh, including her husband to be. Her husband to be uh, was killed, uh, and they were supposed to get married. Uh, but when her, her lover died, uh, she tried reaching out to his family in Italy uh, to say, I, I'm pregnant, and uh, she didn't hear back. There were no ties, and they never got married. Uh, so she raised her, uh, her son herself. Uh, and, and she was not educated. She took an odd job. She did construction. She, she worked at restaurants, but she just couldn't make ends meet. Um, she showed me photos of three other kids, uh, one with the Australian man and two, with, uh, two other Thai men. And so she had four kids with four different men, and none of them were in their, in their lives. And um, she was raising them. Uh, the best that she could, and uh, as she was sharing the story, I mean, just at the point when I heard about the husband dying, this, I mean, the husband-to-be dying this tragic death, I, <laughs> I was a wreck. I was in tears. Like, we were in Emporium Food Court Mall, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like you know, uh, and, and I, I felt like God was telling me to tell her something, and I opened my mouth, and I told her, you're an amazing mom. You're an amazing mom. And my friend, Sophia, she translated that. Uh, and, and Lot just broke down crying. Um, she was sobbing. And we're sitting in this food court at a busy, busy mall. It was so uncomfortable, yet it was so beautiful. Um, 
she proceeded to say that she's never done this before. She's never shared this before. Uh, she's never shared with anyone else. And she was living this life. And uh, I was so grateful for her vulnerability. And, and all of a sudden, I felt like God gave me insight. And I, I asked, uh, uh, for some reason, I just, for whatever reason, I felt like, do you have difficulty sleeping? I was like an infomercial. Do you have difficulty <laughs> sleeping? Uh, I'm, I'm sure even after a long night of, of working and, and late, I have a feeling you can't fall asleep. And she said, uh, yes. And I said, I have a feeling you have no peace. And she said, yes. And I bet you, you, you probably need to listen to music for a long time until you pass out or watch a movie until you pass out. And she said, yes. <laughs> and I, I, I shared Psalms 23 with her. And I said, that Jesus is her shepherd. And, and, and she was thrilled, and she wanted to know more. And, and I said, next week when you come uh, back to church, if you want to, I'd be more than happy to get you a Bible. And I realized she couldn't read, so I said, I'll, I'll get you an audio Bible uh, in Thai so that you can listen to it, and that will help you go to sleep. Uh, Jesus uh, will give you peace, a peace that the world cannot give you. And, and, and she was so excited. She was so thrilled. She, she had so much hope in her eyes. Uh, we went bowling after that. Um, uh, <laughs> with uh, Three women came, and we, we went bowling. We had a blast. And then right when we were done with it, they, like, took off. They're like, well, we're late. We were late for work. And they just ran off. Um, you know, a whole week uh, we thought about how can we bless these women that God has kind of put it into our lives. And, and, and then so we were thinking all these different ideas. Like, should we, should we buy them out for the night? Like, is that appropriate? Like, is, is that, can, we, can we take them out to eat dinner? Like, like, uh, you know, like, I don't want to be too presumptuous, but we thought, oh, wh what is appropriate? What is rude? What is okay? Um, next week, they came back to church, um, and, and, and only two of them came back this time. And after the message, they went up for prayer, and the pastor who spoke that day uh, uh, had people come, and they came up for prayer. And he said to them, uh, I just want to let you know that this is your home. You're welcome home. And uh, you are sisters, and you guys are welcome here. And they both just broke down, weeping. Uh, we went out to lunch again. Uh, and uh, during lunch, we found out that uh, uh, something strange happened that week. Um, um, but what happened was when they ran off to go to uh, the, their work, they were late. And so they had to pay a fine. Every minute that they were late to the bar, they had to pay a dollar per minute that they were late. All right? And they only make like $300 a month. And so... Uh, when they said they had to pay a penalty for, uh, for, for going to work late, I, I felt so bad. And then and they said because they had so much fun, they had bought themselves out for that day. And so they don't have to go back to work. I was like, you guys bought yourselves out to go to church and to hang out with us? Like, I was, I was, I was blown away. Um... um I, like, like, I'm crying right now. I was crying at that time when they were telling me this story, you know? Uh, who, who, I mean, coming to church, is, it's hard for us, you know? Coming to church on time, you know, what price do we pay for community? Um, and so, they probably stayed up all night, and they still came to church. Um, and Lot continued to share uh, that something really weird happened that week, that week, uh, those seven days that we were apart. And she said earlier in the week, a man had bought her out for the night. And she was walking with him uh, out to wherever they were supposed to go. 
And she just felt so uncomfortable. She felt unsafe. Just, and, 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 and she said, uh, these, these were her words. She said that she repeated these words, um, please protect me, please protect me, under her breath, not knowing who she was talking to. All of a sudden, the man turns around and gives her uh, money and says, uh, I got to go, and tells her to go home, and, just, and, and he runs off. And she's like, that has never happened to me before. Um, I was like, wow, right? A day later on her way home, and she lives out in kind of the, they're called the slums in, 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 in Bangkok. Uh, a lot of the poor people live out in these kind of shanty towns. And she's going back, and at the, you know, there's different entrances. And there are these thugs that are always hanging out. And there's these specific group of men that always harass, harass her, uh, take people's money away. And for whatever reason, she has some money on her. And she was like, oh, no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get harassed and lose my money. So she started, pr- uh, she started saying, "Please protect me, please protect me," without even knowing who she was talking to. And all of a sudden, she was Harry Potter with an invisibly cloak. You know, like she was, <laughs> nobody even paid attention to her, and she was just like, "Why is no one bothering me?" And she just walks back home, and she shares these stories to say, "That's not normal," you know. That doesn't. That usually something happens, and. In tears, I said, Christ heard your cries. He was the one protecting you. Your shepherd was watching over you. And she immediately understood. Um, uh, so our trip came to an end that summer, and uh, we were so sad to see them go. And uh, we, we kept in contact through Sophia how she was doing. And over, over the years, she... Uh, she uh, came out of the bar, uh, 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 the bar girl kind of scene, and she joined like this uh, this home that Sophia had at the time. And uh, she later, we did some like uh, uh, fundraising, like GoFundMe style, and we got her this like papaya uh, cart, somtam cart, and she was doing that as a businesswoman. So her kids were being raised in 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 a village outside of Bangkok by her brother and her mom, and she was supporting a whole like slew of people. Uh, out, out, in, uh, out in, outside of Bangkok, and uh, uh, I, I emailed Sophia, and she emailed me back yesterday, uh, and she said, you know, the village that Lot is at right now, and she's growing and taking care of, of the children, and she's a, she said she's being a mom to the village that she lives in, and um, she kept on saying how Lot is this amazing mom, <laughs> and uh, She's living life with her family, and uh, she just sees the joy of God in her life, and just it's, it's amazing what God has done. And and as, as even Chris Crossan shared two weeks ago of that mafia man coming to Christ, and it wasn't his 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 eloquence. Chris was saying, and it wasn't it wasn't anything we did. Uh, uh, Christ, uh, the Word of God, uh, was ch- is, ch- is is pursuing the outsider, the the stranger, the alien, the marginalized, and He's pursuing them in such a way. Uh, and, and here is this one woman who, who was in this sex industry, but she's no longer in it. And what a beautiful story of God let, releasing the captive. Um, um, uh, I, 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 I was the college pastor of a ministry that actually Paul started uh, many years ago. And um, every spring break, I get to take college students to uh, uh, these uh, these fr- spring break mission trips. And uh, we got to go to Mexico City for many years. Some of you guys might know them. There's a couple named Benny and Janice who do some amazing work out in uh, Mexico City. 
and they, they are anti-human trafficking as well, and they have a, a safe house for young, young girls, girls that are 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. They're young. They're young girls who are rescued by the government, uh, and they are sent there to heal psychologically, physically, spiritually, mentally, and there's a lot of spiritual battle going on. And we get to send some college students to go to serve. And I just want to share one little quick snippet that I learned about um, uh, uh, what Benny shared. Uh, um, they have a ministry called El Pozo de Vida, the well of life. And uh, this, they're in a new building now, but when I went many years ago with some college students, we were, we were going there to help renovate it. Uh, most of my students are UCI students. There's one kid from San Diego Canyon College that had spring break was one week off, but he uh, went out of his way to tell his professors, I want to take my finals a week early so he could go on this mission trip, right? I was like, what? Are you sure? Are you, are you sure you're a freshman? And so we, 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 we took a team to this trip, and uh, it's tough because spring, you know, like finals, you, you go through finals. You guys remember finals? You guys remember that? Death and resurrection. You remember that? <laughs> like, you're, you're so tired. Uh, these kids didn't sleep. They're dehydrated. And the Mexico City is 4,000 feet, and so you get uh, altitude sickness. And so they're there, uh, and, uh, you know, um, they're usually behind computers. So they're not the strongest of people. And, and, and so <laughs> the, we got this old building that had, like, uh, uh, paint, uh, but it was lead paint, you know, uh, Mexico City. And so they had to put on, like, um, uh, ninja T-shirts and, like, they were like, you were using tools to scrape off the old paint so they could put new paint on. But, you know, these lead paint dust, they're like flying everywhere, you know? Uh, and then there's this one senior who never flown before, but he flew out there. Uh, each student has to raise about $850 to go. And he was there. He was working, but he was tired, man. He didn't sleep very much that week. He was kind of sick. Uh, maybe he drank the tap water. I don't know. But he wasn't doing very well. And he was just trying to work on the stuff. And he was kind of building this kind of like, why am I here? If, if I only gave uh, half of my money to a national, uh, they could have done the work even faster and more efficiently. I'm just here taking up space, and here I am with a bad attitude. I'm tired. You know, why am I here? Why did I give up my spring break for this? <laughs> like, this is kind of his dialogue in his head. And that freshman that I shared about, the guy who, who took his uh, uh, final uh, early to come here, and he was, you know, a little, little chipper, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, um, and, and he was, so we had a debriefing that night, and he shared, you know, I'm only a freshman. There's not much I can do to fight human trafficking. But with every stab of the paint, of lead paint, I'm stabbing human trafficking in the heart. <laughs> That's what he said, right? From the mouth of babes, right? He was, he, he, he just, there's this, this, this and then the, the senior who had the bad attitude was like, he was a little bit convicted. He goes, well, to be honest, like, I was thinking, why am I here? Why did I even, what a waste of time. I could have given my money, half of my money, you know, the whole thing. And, and Benny was there, and Benny has seen so many teens come and go. Uh, he's been there so long, and he shared, you know, it means the world when a team from another country comes uh, that these girls get to see that they're here for them. Uh, someone could write a big check and send it over, and that's nice. But what is more amazing is when people take time out of their lives to come in the flesh and to say, we love you. God loves you. You know, he hasn't forgotten about you. And there's this power in the presence of flesh and bones, right? Um, that's incarnational ministry. Im imagine if Jesus, right, he goes, he's up in heaven, he goes, you know what? Let me write them a check. Yeah. <laughs> 
let me, let, let, me send, let me send Gabriel, the angel, you know, to die on the cross, you know. No, he is sent as the baby to live among us, to grow up in a podunk town called Nazareth. You know, what good can come of Nazareth? And yet he lives that. He knows what it means to be poor. He knows what it means to be marginalized. And his heart breaks for them because that's God's heart. And um, I feel like for us to follow Jesus, we need to be incarnational, um, to love the human traffic victim in person, to love the prisoner in person, to love the poor in person, in the flesh, even if it's uncomfortable, right? Even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's dangerous. It is no accident that we as Crossway are here in Santa Ana, just blocks away from some of our poorest brothers and sisters in Orange County. I think we're here for a reason and purpose, right? Um, I I forgot to share some photos. Um, uh, It's my beautiful wife, and uh, Sophia is the one uh, kneeling on the bottom. Those are the three women that came uh, from the bars. Um, The woman on the left is Lot. She's the one that was sharing about her, her, her four children. Sophia was translating. This is at the food court. It's not a library. I think those are fake books. Um, we have bowling, like I said. Uh, karaoke as well, one of the nights. That's PA, uh, if you remember. Uh, and, and this is when we're not there. This is a photo when they came to church, even after we were gone, that Sophia sent to us. And um, well, I'm sorry about that. Um, Missions is God's heart. He sent his son on a mission trip. Will we send our sons and daughters on a mission trip? Will we go ourselves on a mission trip? We don't have to go to Thailand. We don't have to go to Mexico City. Uh, uh, The marginalized, the poor, the broken, the ones who are captives, they're right next to us. Um, Will we hear... Jesus reading the scrolls of Isaiah. And will we go out and declare that the kingdom of God is here? That the, lo- the, the year of the Lord's favor is here. And that we would preach the good news. That we would be word become flesh. That we would be incarnational in the way that we love. Um, I'd like to pray for us. Lord, forgive me for in the business of life and in thinking that I am important, that I fall into what I would call default mode, autopilot mode, when we go from point A to point B and uh, we miss out on what you're calling us to be about. Lord, even in the word, uh, so many stories of Jesus going from point A to point B and someone will cry out, Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he would stop, even though others would try to quiet him up. He would stop and he would go to them and he would be interrupted um, to love, to heal, to be present. Lord, I pray, um, not just for divine interruptions in our lives, the nudging of the Holy Spirit, but as we think about how we can better serve the community that we're a part of, um, 
I'm so appreciative of our brothers, Huang, Derwin, and many who are on this team uh, to really stoke the flames of, of your heart, God, that we too be about the lost, the captives, and we would proclaim uh, the year of the Lord's favor, that the kingdom of God is here. Uh, we would do that, uh, that you will grow us into that, that you will move us. Uh, we're so grateful that you were about the other, that you were about the stranger and the alien, God. Uh, we, 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 uh, many of us, we're not, we're not Jewish. We're, we're, we weren't the chosen people, and yet you were about the Gentiles and beyond. You were about the other. And so I pray that we will be humble uh, to know that uh, we, were, we, we were invited to the banqueting table as, 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 as homeless. Uh, we had no food to eat, and we get to eat off the king's table, and, and we would run back out to the streets, and we tell others who are hungry, hey, there's some food to eat. There's some good news to hear. You have a seat at the king's table. Lord, I thank you for this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.